Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Father John here with my good friend, Father Nathan Goebel. Here we go. He's readjusting. And That's right. He's good to go. my... On his couch, he's got his pillows. That's right. You need a glass my, of water. My throne. No, I've got my water right here. Good. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. All right. Most of you guys are probably thinking, just get to the topic. Gosh. Well, last time it was about four and a half minutes. So I know. Okay. So, what is man? You Ooh. know, quittest homo. Oh, in the Latin. So deep. I don't even know if that's right. Um, um. So, uh, getting into man's anthropology. Right now, we're in, I'm taking the class Theological Anthropology. So, we're talking about what is man? Uh, in the scriptures, so you get the the first part of you know Genesis, which is commonly called the protology, uh, the first logos, uh, the first reason explanation of what man is. And so throughout the years, you've had philosophers, uh, both Catholic and uh, you know secular, even pre pre Christian, specifically Aristotle, who have talked about um, what is man, and um, and I think that Aristotle touched on a really important point that um, a lot of people kind of skew or live out of and aren't fully, you know, like understanding of, of of everything that man is. So, can we pause for a second? St- pause for station identification. <laughs> You're listening to the Light FM. <laughs> My question is: uh, You mentioned th- theological anthropology, and then you started talking about Aristotle. Can you just explain? Was he doing theological anthropology? No. Okay. No. So, there's a philosophical foundation in Aristotle. Right. Which right. Is, you know, I don't. I just know enough people know. You know, you throw out loads like the protology and theological anthropology, and you know. I know, but it makes me sound very, so smart. You're so smart. I know. The best. The best question I posed in our class was: um, Is your anthropology more of an eschatological anthropology, or is your anthropology or your eschatology more informed by an anthropology? Oh, so deep. Yeah, so deep. Uh, nobody got it, and I don't even think I really got it. Even so, your ologies. Okay, so, question. Hylomorphism, okay? Maybe you took a philo- uh, philosophy class in, like, community college. Maybe you've heard this word, you know, thrown out at dinner parties. Maybe you have absolutely no idea what it is. It's from Aristotle, correct? It's from Aristotle, right? Hyle and Morphe. Hyle being? Uh, you know... Morphe is form. Hyle right. is what? Union? Matter. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Hyle is matter. So, uh, sorry. I thought Condescending. Was, yeah. Duh. Condescending means I come down I'm to loving, his level. I'm loving people in the pastoral realm now, Nathan. <laughs> That's right. Um, I'm loving that one intellectual guy who has freckles and also drinks uh, whatever they're called, butteritas or whatever I was drinking on the last podcast. Limerita. Limerita. So, um, okay, so hylomorphism. Okay, so th- this is just a way of explaining um, what what man is on a philosophical level. Okay, so obviously this is not going to include a lot of Christianity, but I think that our anthropology affects the way in which we view Christianity. Okay, so briefly, this is no notes. Okay, people, so you're not going to hear papers rustling. I didn't even have time to check Wikipedia on this. But okay. you knew what Hyle meant. I knew what Hyle meant. You know, <laughs> that's who I am. Um, so if if we define man, I mean man, woman, whatever, mankind, um, every human person, 
as a composite. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, I just yawned. <laughs> I know, but our microphones pick those up quite oh, well. Sorry. Um, uh, if we define man as a composite of matter and form, matter uh, of man would be his body. Right. And his form would be his soul. Right. Okay? So, but they're not distinct. They're not... Uh, gosh, I really should have looked Here this up. Here we go. They are distinct... <laughs> But they're necessary to one another right. in, in, in the human person. You're not just a soul floating around. You're not just a body that somehow animates itself. Anima, anima in, you know, Greek. Latin. Latin, whatever. Uh, is, you know, if you ever hear somebody say animate, it's, you know, pretty much the soul. Okay? So we're not just bodies just walking around, you know, because of our brains. Right. Like, there's something that's deeper than even our you know, electrical impulses that are flowing through our brain that keep us, you know, moving. And when we die, it's not merely the absence of these uh, corporeal signs, but rather um, the soul has has escaped or let fled or, you know, is out of the body, okay? Escaped or fled is a really dangerous word. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Okay. No, this is a very this is actually a very good topic. I'm happy you're bringing this up. He's affirming me now. <laughs> you I'm, are. Uh, you're just so good. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. So enough of that. Just just so that we can get through hylomorphism, I just want you to know that 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 every human person is matter and form. Okay, matter being his body, uh, form being his soul, and he is a composite of the two. Right. Right. So, um, in 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 Aquinas and maybe even in in Aristotle, he's talking about substance. Yes. Okay, so the substantial form of of man is this body soul union. Okay, um, and it's a union. Okay, and that's important. Okay, so if we if we think, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna touch on a, a few topics. If we think that man is just a body. If he's just a body walking around, what is what ethical conclusions can we draw from that? Well, he uh, basically um, he he has no I don't know how to describe ethical conclusions I guess, but these things such as like self consciousness, self reflection, free will, they all disappear from any kind of moral reasoning. Mm-hmm. So he's basically bound by the laws of physics, the laws of uh, matter, um, and that's what dictates his actions sure there's no there's no spiritual principle to any of this stuff right and so like man would really just act on his passions and 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 we can see in in philosophy that passions are much deeper than just what you know most people talk about in passions but it's like if i'm hungry i eat if i'm thirsty i drink i'm not thinking about um what is the effect that my eating this you know 10th donut has upon my soul because i'm just matter you know why does it matter that I want to sleep with multiple women when, you know, the reality is I'm just matter. It's just my biological urge. That's just my biological urge. It, I, I, I'm just dealing with the impulses that are going on within my, within my body. Okay. And there's no way, there's no way to fight that. You just have to just do what you right. are, what you feel. So then if you go on the other extreme, what happens if we're just soul, you know? What happens if, if really the only thing that matters is my soul? Well, then we can just do whatever we want with our body. It's just an object. It's not us. Right. It's just a tool for my 
whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can direct my body to do certain things like climb this rock wall. Well, not me, but, you know, <laughs> speculatively. You climbed a 14er this summer. Yeah. Don't hate on yourself. Yeah, and that, that did require a lot of, you know, encouragement from my soul. Yes. Um, uh, and so I can, I can direct it to do things that, that, you know, why does it matter? You know, you may not want to do, uh, you may not want to do these drugs or something, but it doesn't really matter because it's not going to affect your soul. It's really only going to affect your body. You know, um, so you come in, we're, we're entering into the realm of these heresies that get thrown around of Gnosticism and Manichaeanism. Okay. And Gnosticism was condemned long ago. Okay. Manichaeanism was what, um, St. Augustine was fighting in the, what, fourth century, fifth, fifth century. Um, so, but they're dormant, you know, these are viruses that, you know, last, you know, much longer than, than when the church makes the pronouncement on it. Cause we pick it up, we pick it up from the culture. We pick it up from our own, you know, trying to grapple with how do I live this tension between being a Saudi, uh, soul body union, like a single composite, a Saudi, a Saudi or a bowl. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's, I think that's really important. Um, because right right from the inception of the church, what are the what are the problems? What are the uh, heresies that rise up? They're all rooted in false anthropologies. Because Aristotle inherits um, the pre-Socratic tradition, uh, which is like the uh, materialist. What's his name again? Who's the first materialist? Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous, embarrassing. Parmenides? No, 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 no. Uh, Parmenides. Uh, there's another one. Anyways, there's a there's materialism in the pre-Socratic world, and then you, Democritus. That's who it is, and then. Uh, Plato subscribes to just the 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 man's substance is merely his soul, and the body is just a shell. So those influence into the kind of the stoicism of the Roman world, and right into the inception of the church, and they've been with us ever since. Manichaeism and, and Gnosticism—they're the first to kind of appear. They'll always be there. Right. Okay. So Manichaeanism, another you know word to throw out your dinner parties or, you know, after Sunday school when you're having your donut. Oh, I was listening to the podcast. <laughs> so Manichaeanism. Essentially what it boils down to is there are two forces in the world, good and evil, okay? And they're constantly, there's this dualism where they're constantly at, at, at war with each other, okay? And they would they would narrow it down to soul good, body bad. Matter okay? bad, spirit good. What is bad? Matter, right? Yeah, matter's yeah. bad. Yeah. So you want, you really want to you know, escape, escape the body, um, and, uh, flee from this, you know, condition. But in addition to the fact that really it's my soul, uh, fighting against my body. So therefore, um, you know, I can just, I can just make it do whatever I want, you know, um, if I so choose. Um, and I think that just getting into the ethical realm, uh, that there's a lot of Christians out there who see their their own life as a struggle with their with their bodies? Right. You know um, that really what's making me do this is is those urges and everything. Or you know they would say there's this angel on my left shoulder and this d- devil on my right sh- shoulder. But uh, a friend of mine was very quick to kind of point out when I was you know broaching this topic with him that um, we don't believe that God is at war with Satan. Uh, he is. He you know there is a battle going on, but. He is the victor. He will be the victor, and and he will always be the victor. Yeah. Um. That when the when the devil rebelled against God and his angels, like there wasn't like a a tense struggle where oh my gosh is he going to win or not? You know, God was always more powerful. I mean, he is omnipotent. 
he can do all things. Um, and his power manifests itself in, you know, creation and in all, all these other manifestations of, you know, whatever. Okay. But if we, if we see our life as always fighting against, uh, the devil, uh, and not seeing that like, uh, God, when we invoke God against the, the power of the evil one and against our own nature, which is fallen, um, we do struggle, you know, because we're no longer living in this sort of, um, original harmony that happened before the fall, then, um, but we, but just going back to the fact that, that God is always more powerful than Satan. When we cry out for help to him, when we ask our angels to like be at our side, we're invoking the power of something much greater than anything the devil can generate against us. Um, so, and, and, and that's, that's a good thing, you know, um, because God is not just merely coming to us in spiritual things, you know, I mean, going, you know, leading us into Gnosticism. Gnosticism is saying that really there's the secret knowledge that you need in order to, you know, come to this kind of enlightenment. And when you have this knowledge, well, then you really don't need the body anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Manichaeism takes that on. So it's, it becomes the faith gets reduced to this kind of spiritual knowledge that the Manichae had, that these kind of yeah. enlightened ones, the Illuminati, so to speak, that they carried. Yeah. And I think that's right on. I, I think we yeah. oftentimes treat God because we've now lifted the how, the question of anthropology from the philo- philosophical into the theological, talking about the spiritual battle, like you're saying. And what God has revealed is not that the body is, in fact, evil and he's going to deliver us from the body, but right. that what God's at work in sanctifying us and elevating our nature is the perfection of the hylomorphic philosophical foundation. It's not the this, the co- collapse of that, so to speak. And that is so important because um, living up here in Boulder, and this is everywhere, but uh, the church is condemned so often as being Manichaean. Hmm. Um, it's just, you know, we're trying to, we hate the body. The body is evil. Right. I don't want you, I actually said this from the pulpit a couple weeks ago, but I said, um, you know, in the Catholic Church, we're really, you know, my job is just to make sure that you guys aren't having too much pleasure, uh, comfort, or fun. Right. And they all laughed at that. But that's kind of what we think. You know, we do. The body is just so evil and so bad that you have to get rid of it and whip yourself like, you know, that monk in the Da Vinci Code or, or something. You know what I mean? Right. Something ridiculous like that. Right. And, and we're saying far from that, that the moral, the moral life and the church's moral approach only makes sense in understanding that God is restoring us to that original foundation, the union. Yeah. He's deepening that composite, not separating it. So then, I mean, I guess just the last point would be, you know, and I don't even know if I've taught you anything in this, so, you know, my apologies. Uh, it's midterms time, so be patient with me, and, you know, I will pay you back what, what I owe. <laughs> um, but how do we reconcile what we say in the creed? I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Is my life everlasting going to be just this sort of um, fleeing from the body so that I can just enjoy all these pleasures, but without without the body, because the body was always bad? Or am I going to say, no, I, I mean, heaven is going to be only like me eating like endless tubs of ice cream right. or something like that. Right. And that goes back to my question. Do we want our anthropology to be informed by an eschatology, like the end times? Do we want our our, our first days to include the last days where... 
you know what? In the end, I really don't want to have my body. Or in the beginning, God gave him a body, but somehow he's going to lose it. Or I only want a body in heaven. Like right. the like the Islamic understanding of so much of heaven, which is just pure right. pleasure, material, physical pleasure. Right. right? Um, going back to the first thing you were saying, though, about uh, over-spiritualizing and then heaven being kind of this complete spiritualization of our humanity. Uh, I went to a uh, funeral, this was a couple of years ago, and uh, on the um, program, it had the name of the person, and then it said, you know, uh, born in this into this life, such and such, and then it said, became an angel of God on, boom, the day that she died. Yay! And I was just like, oh, that's so cute. It's like a Hallmark card. No, that's horrible anthropology. That yeah. precisely says that what we become is angels when we come into heaven. Right. And that's totally crazy. Pure spiritual beings. Right. Not what's going to happen. Right. And St. Thomas is so clear, because St. Thomas is really the one who brings the Aristotelian hylomorphism into uh, and, and really elucidates it in light of the revelation of Christ, brings it into the theological realm. But he's so clear. Souls before the resurrection of the body at the end times are incomplete. They are yeah. they're not uh they're not full humans, yep. so to speak. The human is the body and the soul. Yep. It's very, very good. Very interesting. Yeah. So I mean, more than anything, it's just grapple with that for the next couple of weeks until the next podcast and uh, you know, try to see where you fall. I mean, do you want a body? Do you just want a soul? Who knows? But I think it's an interesting thing for people to think about and pray about. This is your homework assignment, right? If you're struggling with Catholic moral teachings, right, which a lot of people are, and that's okay, we start with that. Um, or if you're struggling with prayer, you know, uh, can you look deeper and say, what? How do I really understand my humanity to be lived out, and how do I understand in God engaging that humanity? Because if you're struggling with these, the morals of the faith of the, of the church in some way, it's probably rooted in a false, some kind of false anthropological reduction that we picked up um, at some point along the way. Mm -hmm. Because we have no idea what man is right now in the world that we're living in. This yeah. post-Christian world has completely lost it. Um, the synthesis we saw in St. Thomas that's been always lived out and always been expressed in the church was radically rejected uh, at the beginning of the modern era with Descartes who shifted the language of hyle and morphe, matter and form, body and soul, to mind, body, mm, right? Yeah. It's the reduction of the soul to the mind, and okay. that's kind of the language now that we have in the modern world. Um, and then the mind kind of gets reduced to the brain or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, but with Descartes, there's a complete reappropriation of the platonic uh, anthropology, and that uh, has been causing us trouble ever since. Yeah.